Blog Talk Radio. behind center. I mean, 
So, Arthur, let's dive into – I think we got to start with the rushing attack um, because – well, actually, I'll start with two things. One, obviously, Dylan and Bailey played great. Um, I have to provide my highest commendations, support, everything to the offensive line who played out of this world in both the run game. I think it's obvious in the stats that Dylan and Bailey put up, but also in the passing game against a team that had 16 sacks in the last two games, right? That's an insane number. They gave up not only zero sacks, but zero pressures. Like this, the ex- from everything on the offensive line, from the game plan to the execution, was perfect. And I cannot commend them highly enough. Yeah, I mean, when you have a, you know, a, an uncertain quarterback behind center, it becomes so much more important for um, the offensive line to step up and and give and give him some protection, and they did that in spades. Um, and they just really manhandled um, a very solid um, front seven for uh, for NC State, um, and really bent them to their will. Yeah, I mean, you want to go into like what made them look so good based on what Miles just looking at the film. I'll jump in. I hear Basically, like with the difference in this game that I've I've not seen BC do so well is that their pin and their pull blocks, um, so from the guard and the tackle positions were just phenomenal. Um, they were athletic. Um, Zion Johnson looked incredibly athletic and incredibly polished in his first start. Um, he was rewarded with the ACC Offensive Lineman of the Week. Um, which is fantastic. And believe it or not, this is going to sound a little bit weird. I also want to commend, and this is, this is maybe a first time on BCI radio insofar as that Arthur and I have called, have produced this. The play calling I thought was really good. And in particular, I thought the fact that yes, BC would run the ball four, five, times in a row, um, but they consistently changed sort of the style of the run, right? They would repeatedly sort of pull the guard, and then all of a sudden they'd hit them with a counter, and the entire NCAA defense would be caught going the other way. Sometimes they switched to like a stretch zone run. Um, they just really mixed it up and got NC State on the – basically the whole defense on their back foot the entire game, and I can't – I love it. I love it. I love every single bit of it. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny, you, you know. We we I've heard I saw a lot of comments about, um, you know, where where has this team been? Um, and I I think it it definitely kind of goes to show what happens when you get you know definitely more diverse when you're when you're play calling. But you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, even even though and and again to be fair, the offensive line was exceptional and really opened up the run game. Um, but the fact that the defense, or excuse me, the offense was able to sort of mix it up a little bit and basically um, change up 
what they were, were doing and to sort of keep the defense on their toes, that opened things up as well. Yeah. Um, I'll also admit there were a couple touchdown runs where uh, NC State just didn't tackle. But I think, like, to me, both both David Bailey touchdown runs were both great plays by him, but NC State just did not wrap up. They didn't wrap up behind the line of scrimmage, not at that second level with the linebackers. And when you hit in the secondary, you know, it's sort of – it's wild. They just they didn't stop. I mean, he had great vision, good job avoiding blockers, put him in, himself in a position that he can shed those tacklers. But, like, uh, if I was Dave Doran, I'd be having him running laps on – Sunday morning because there were a couple there were a couple efforts where you sort of wondered what on earth happened. Um, Arthur, what is your opinion on Grossell? How do you feel about him going forward? Um, so here's the thing. Um, I I think there there is upside to Grossell. Um, I think we really haven't seen a lot of him. Um, to really well, let, 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 let me say this I don't think the NC State game is really a good bellwether for how he is going to sort of run the offense um, because um, you know like we said it was, it was really a game that was won on, on the ground um, and then we go back to Louisville um, where <clears throat> his completion percentage was pretty poor um, but he also had three touchdowns and, um, you know, a lot of uh, his incompletions could have been explained away on you know, mistakes made by the receiving core. So um, I really don't have a pulse for him just yet. I mean, what I will say is the offense clearly isn't imploding with him under center, which is, I think, really all you can ask your backup quarterback to do. Um, but at the same time, just, I'm not really ready for – to say that Dennis Grossell is, you know, the absolute best we can do. I mean, he's good, and I, I think BC is certainly better for having um, him, but I, I, I just don't know yet. I think that's fair. I think we saw him on Saturday play it pretty safe. I mean, his longest completion – in terms of yards, with a tight end screen to Hunter Long, who continues to prove that he's an asset on the field. You love his speed, you love his playmaking ability, but uh, the screen is mostly on Long and not on Grossell. I think that it's undeniable that Grossell has a great arm. I am just, it's kind of clear that the offensive staff doesn't quite trust him yet uh, to make all sorts of throws. They had him take a couple shots down the field. He had a great um, throw to Chris Garrison kind of midway into the first quarter that was dropped, um, but was mostly a good play by the DB and more of a failure by Garrison than it was on Grossell. Um I agree with you. I think there's a lot. I want to see a little bit more before I'm declaring him the savior of BC football, but I also agree that he hasn't lost BC any game so far. Um, and he hasn't really made plays that sort of like put the game in jeopardy. And so I think that you can admire that a lot. Um, 
The other story, in addition to the offensive line, Arthur, in my opinion, has got to be the defense. Um, yeah, the defense, I mean, the defense played great. You know, it's yeah, they, they um, you know, weren't bad. <laughs> they, they weren't bad. Is uh, the way I would describe it. I mean, they they certainly. Um, they held Devin Leary uh, and the NC State um, passing attack to, you know, I mean, 310 yards is, is still a decent amount, but um, for a significant portion of that game, uh, I, I really like most of their points were really scored. I think, or, or there there being NC State. NC State's points were really scored towards like garbage time when the game was really in hand. Oh, um, this game was so, over by the. This game was absolutely over by the fourth quarter. There is no question about right, that. Right. It, so you know, for three quarters, the BC defense stood tall against a pretty decent quarterback. Um. And a like a decent a decent like offense so. Um, yeah, I mean, all the credit to him, to them. Yeah, I think um, to me the two stars in particular. Mike Palmer had a great day. Um, one tackle for the loss, two pass breakups. Uh, Max Richardson, um, I think, is his defensive MVP of this team. Um, he made great tackles in space all day. The whole team really did, which to me is sort of the same way that they won against Virginia Tech. Uh, was t- tackling in space, and now they kept them down points. They didn't really give up anything. Um, on the double pass in the first, they wrapped up, which prevents it from being like a long thing. On all the touchdown drives by NC State, they failed to wrap up on you know one usually a critical second or third and long somewhere in. Um, yeah, it's like the first time that at least for me that I have seen this level of urgency and intensity and communication from the defense this year. They were screaming at each other, trying to make sure everyone's assignments were right. I was, uh, maybe part of it's the buy. Uh, maybe part of it's the fact that maybe they've sort of, they're getting the a young team. They're going to gel together more and more over the course of the year. But I thought they really looked like they'd sort of taken a bit of a step forward. Um, they played like their jobs were on the line when NC State was in the red zone. And so to me, I can't say that there is – I've been much more impressed by his defensive performance. Because to me, unlike the uh, Virginia Tech game, this seemed a lot less fluky, right? They didn't rely on turnovers. They didn't rely on um, drop passes. They just made plays all day. Um, and Bill Sheridan was out there throwing blitzes like he was Don Brown. I mean, I love that. Uh, you know, don't ever confuse the two, but like they were aggressive, they played to win, and I was very, I was really pleased. Yeah, they played like a a a pissed off unit that had that had had basically been absolutely dem- like desecrated for the past two weeks um, online and like in the media, um, and you know, to wit. You know, they—I I think you're absolutely right. They—they they, they played like they're—they're they're, they're playing for something, and like they're—they're they're playing with with a, an intensity 
um, that they should absolutely have be bringing every week. Um, but you know, I mean, we'll, we'll temper our, our you know our happiness a little bit by saying we'll we'll get to Clemson in a little bit. Like, but it'll be a, a difficult challenge against Clemson, especially compared to NC State. But certainly against an ACC caliber offense to be as like not even play as well, but just to be as cohesive as they were is definitely reassuring. Yeah, I think that like you know, I think they get a little lucky on a here here and there. Um there were a few drops. Uh I think that, that pick six in the beginning in the opening of the to the open up the scoring was a terrible throw that the vast majority of quarterbacks maybe don't make. Um, especially when you consider that, you know, he's looking at two crossing routes and there's a guy, he chose A on the crossing route and B was wide open. Um, it wouldn't have been a touchdown or anything, but it would have been not a pick six. But they played really well. They looked like they were, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but they were playing as a unit. And I I love that. I'm really glad to see that as a team who sort of has been rightly not mocked, but uh, lit into all year by media and fans. I don't think that's uh, the wrong way to take it. So, Arthur, there is one one dark spot in this game. Um, it's the only segment of football we haven't talked about yet. Special teams. Any thoughts on a pretty poor special team performance this last uh, Saturday? Or not? I don't know. Sorry, really, uh, I, 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 I didn't realize my 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 mic was muted. Uh, by the way, everybody, we hear your complaints. Uh, we are making an effort to try and fix the audio. Uh, so I've been muting my mic all night. So. Hopefully that that that's that's fixing it. But I forgot that I muted it, so that's fine. Uh, to answer your question, I, I I still maintain that whenever a kicker comes in the chest on hill, they they um, like immediately become cursed and uh, basically lose all manner of speaking. Um, to wit, um, you know, we still don't have a kicker that can make like a 38-yard field goal. And Danny Longman, I, someone in our um, BCI. Um, group chat made the point <laughs> that they should stop calling Danny Longman Danny Longman instead and start calling him Danny Weidman uh, because he, he keeps kicking he kept kicking the ball out of bounds and um, I am mystified as to why um, but yeah I, I, I really I really don't know what to say what to say other than why <laughs> like what's going on um. Yeah, it's just it's odd. Let's let's just let's just leave it at that. It's odd. Yeah, I think it's it's sort of time to start. Um, I think it's it's one it wouldn't be a PC game without a missed field goal. Um, you love that. Uh, especially when the game is close. You know, uh, the closer the game, the more the less confident I am that BC is going to make a kick, even if it's inside forty yards. Um. I think it is, it is, is we now, we have to be convinced by now, not even start thinking or pondering, but it has to be almost fact that 
whatever the hell Steve Adazio does in his special teams periods in practice, not only is it not working, it's clearly wrong, right? Um, whatever he's doing, whatever I mean, he's there's, done, there's no question. It's just wrong. And, like, it's it's hard to, like, like, this team has had flashes on offense and it has flashes on defense such that you think that, you know, as, as Coach Daz would say, it'll eventually come together and it will be beautiful. But we have never seen I, – I, my time at BC, being a BC fan, so we're now going on five years. Um, under Adazio, and you can I, add another year for, for the year before you got here. Right. I have never seen a game where I was confident in special teams. There was like one – half of a year where Mike Knoll was a good punter and one year where we had Mike Walker is a good kick returner and that's it. And you are batting not even below 300. You are batting like below maybe you're batting maybe like 150 on all the different aspects of special teams. And to me, that is just not great. Like, I don't know. I guess clearly there's time to, um, change everything, uh, hire a special teams coordinator and give him total autonomy over the practice or whatever. Cause you know, Daz has his hands in every level of practice. Like I think he's got to hire a special teams coordinator and let him run with it. Cause this is terrible. So yeah. I mean, and also I hate to say yeah, like in kickoff, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it four out of, Bounds kickoffs, which is I believe it was like the, the stat sheets tell me it's four. Yeah, that's like unthinkable at a Division One level. Like that would be if you were an NFL kicker, you'd be cut the next day. You'd be cut during the game. Probably they'd probably bench you and put in the punter and be like, you can't be worse. So like, yeah, it was horrendous. So basically, like one really, really, really sort of big black mark on an otherwise uh, perfect day um, in BC land. So, yeah. But yeah, at, at, mean, the end of, at, at the end of the day, you know, after all that, like even with BC struggling on special teams, they, they, they got played against an, an ACC opponent, like a decent ACC opponent, and they won. But now they have to play Clemson. No! Sorry, yeah. I just discovered our soundboard. So, we have a soundboard? But, yeah, we have a soundboard. Uh, I, I think um, they, like our predecessor, have left some sound here. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Clemson. Oh, man, Clemson. Whew. Uh, I have at the top of my notes here, uh, Clemson, really good, even in a really bad ACC. An ACC that is, by S&P standards, the sixth best conference in America. S&P, the stats for me. So, yeah, um, you know, quick quick overlook, third-ranked defense, uh, like 12th-ranked offense, according to the advanced stats. Um, going to the defense. 
because uh, the offense is a little bit easier to talk about. So let's let's start with the easy stuff. Going to the going to the offense where it's uh, maybe a little bit easier to analyze the defense. Three point eight yards per play allowed. Three point one yeah. yards per rush allowed. Sex on over ten percent of opposing pass plays. Twelve point three percent. Yeah. This team is brutal and ruthless and perhaps not as statistically good as NC State in the run game coming in. But I don't think there's a doubt that, one, Clemson has played better teams, including Texas A&M, and, two, that when Clemson needs to turn it on, they can. Um, This is an elite team, even if they keep dropping in the rankings because they haven't been quite as convincing. Um, And for a little, like, context, like, average is, like, five and a half, six. So they're, like, 33% better than average. Um, They're really good. They're like two standard deviations better than good. So, yes. On one hand, very excited. I'm really excited. If Anthony Brown was in this game, I would be ecstatic because I think it would be great. Um, I think this clearly not as star studded and not as elite as last year's, but still an incredibly good defensive line, um, an incredibly good defense matching up against BC's. Um, Top ranked, they're like the second ranked O line in the country in terms of pass protection, um, just by like stats given up. Which obviously is not like a like sacks given up and the rest of that, which obviously isn't a perfect stat. But BC's offensive line is playing at an elite level. Um, I would be fascinated in this matchup if Grossell wasn't in it just because I'm afraid of what Grossell is going to do when he's staring down the, de- the Clemson defense. Like, this is one that will not allow any margin for error. Yeah, and th- this is really the game where Grossell is really going to – we're really going to see what Grossell is made of um, because here's the thing, you know, uh, he can get away with, like, being 9 for 26 or something like that against Louisville because Louisville's defense is not good enough to make him pay, pay for his mistakes. Um, you know, this is a, this is a scary good defense. Uh, and it's, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see if, if Grossell is going to be in a um, sort of put up or shut up kind of disposition. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I, the reality is, you know, we, we can talk about diversifying like, the run game all we want and, and to be fair like we said before you know bc should deserves credit for diversifying the run game but they can't rely on the run game uh, at clemson for a number of reasons so you know we're gonna have to we're going to have to see what grossell is made of on saturday you know there, there, there's no way around it yeah i don't think there's like no doubt to me um they're averaging like 2.1 takeaways per game um which is pretty good. Um, Tanner Muse has three picks on the year. Uh, Kavon Wallace are really fun to watch from the safety position. They're just like all over the field all the time, making plays in both the run, the pass, uh, when the ball's in the air, when the ball's caught. So they are, to me, uh, pretty 
pretty concerning, especially when you consider the fact that the safeties really are the ones who get to make plays um, against the quarterback, right? Like cornerbacks really sort of match up against their wide receivers and the safeties versus the, the running backs and the quarterback. Um, the other thing, um, so they have a star on Isaiah Simmons, who got six sacks on the year, 59 tackles. They have 16 players who have recorded a sack. Like this front seven swarms. They're wild. Um, I'm very, I'm very concerned for the BC uh, offense, and I also said that last week. So I hope to be proven wrong again. Um, but I think I'm more likely to be proven wrong. I, mean, I feel like you're going to beat a team, NC State, who BC's had kind of their number the last couple couple years. I feel more confident against them than I do Clemson, unsurprisingly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all right. FBI gives us a 2% chance of winning. Cool. But let's talk about the Clemson offense. Well, what's weird is I think we all expected it. It's weird because we're at a level where Clemson has a top 10 offense, um, top 10, top 12, an elite offense. It's one of the top offenses in the country. Um and everyone's complaining that it's not as good as it has been. Which means yeah, I mean, they, like, still, they still win a lot of games and still can win games in the back of their offense in a shootout, but like the fact that Clemson is having a down year on offense and is like the 12th ranked or 10th ranked or whatever it is, is, is wild. Uh, it, it says a lot about the program, and this is what Davos when he's done there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the top of my notes uh, for Clemson's offense is that Trevor Lawrence appears to be uh, – like the, the, the tape appears to be out on Trevor Lawrence, and he's getting different looks, and he's not doing as well, um, which is all well and good. The issue is BC's defense is not good enough to um, overpower a guy like Trevor Lawrence uh, just, just based off of um, scheming alone. So, um, you know, it's e- even though you know Clemson Clemson's offense is having down down your Andrew, Andrew Lawrence, excuse me, not Andrew Lawrence, that's a former BCI contributor. Uh, Trevor Lawrence um, is quote unquote struggling. Un- unquote doesn't necessarily mean that. Yeah, it's, it's like an open invitation. Yeah. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is having a down year in the sense that he's gone from Heisman finalist to just top five, top 10 college football quarterback, right? Um, the big thing and the big new weakness of the game is he's kind of had an issue on, not so much on his accuracy, but his decision-making. They're throwing a lot more different looks at him, um, a lot more stuff. He's not seen, he doesn't seem like he's seen the field as well, which said is hard because there's a lot more tape on him and you can sort of see what's worked before. Uh, he's now averaging an interception on one in every 21 throws, and that's down from one in every 99 last year. So he's sort of come back to earth. He's still an elite quarterback. Um, yeah. And then you have, of course, uh, Travis Etienne, um, second in the ACC in rushing, nearly 800 yards on the year, eight. Point zero yards per carry, which is horrifying. He's shredded Boston College the last couple of years. Um, 
It's great. It's uh, he's he's gonna pose a serious serious damage, um, a serious serious threat to this defense in pretty much every way. Um, we have a we appear to have a caller on the line. Uh, caller, you are now on BCI Radio. How are you doing tonight? How's it going? Is this Grant? Nah, right. James. Oh, hey. I'm on a Patrick. I'm on a Patrick's older met. Oh, cool. Well, what's your question, James? What do you want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? Um, I don't know. Personally, I'm excited to see Dennis play tomorrow night or tomorrow, Saturday night, I should say. I think. I mean, I guess it's the second time in two years we've seen a we've seen a backup quarterback play against Clemson, but I think. I think Dennis had a little time to prepare for it, whereas EJ just kind of got thrown into the fire when Anthony went down last year. And I think with a little more time and a couple games under his belt, I think Dennis could really start to be productive. Granted, it's going to be it's going to be a tough game for him because it's it's Clemson, but I'm excited to see how he progresses. You can't understate the importance of taking first team steps for the past. Uh, three weeks or so um, versus being the backup and basically seeing your starting quarterback go down with a pretty gruesome injury and having to try, kind of pick up the pieces. There, there's, there's simply no comparison and not for nothing. Like I, I, I feel pretty confident in saying, you know, Grossell is, I don't want to say better. Like it certainly, he's certainly better positioned right now than AJ Perry was um, um, on that night. And I think if you look back a, a couple of weeks ago when Anthony did go down, I think Dennis made a lot of good throws. And he just – there were times when he wasn't quite synced up. There were some drops that hurt him. And you could just you could just tell. And as you say, the first team reps over the past few weeks should help him get synced up with the guys he's going to be working with on Saturday night and help, I mean, help James, his production a little bit. I mean, James, and I'll say this for Arthur and those who might be listening um, and those who will listen, uh, James has been a Dennis Grossell advocate since he first stepped onto the practice field. Um, those who probably would – I don't know if you know it. Uh, James was a former walk-on kicker at PC, um, has a lot of thoughts on the program, has a lot of criticisms of Adazio, but he said that pretty much Grossell, Grossell was the most talented guy in the quarterback room since he stepped on, just in terms of pure talent. And maybe he needs a little time to show it, but I agree. I mean, I think you can tell that Russo clearly has the sort of physical talent you need to succeed. He's got a cannon. He's very, very accurate. He's put out some good touch throws um, to sort of cover guys who I wouldn't think he'd make the throw on. And he showed a really impressive ability to run more so than I would have expected. I think it adds something to it adds a threat to his game that will allow his passing to really do well. With all that being said, I wouldn't consider myself a huge authority on the quarterback position or even football in general. So take all that with a grain of salt. We all have opinions. I have very, very strong opinions on things I know nothing about. That's why I, that's why I sit here and I do a pseudo radio show podcast. I've, I've, I've developed a four-year career at BC Interruption not knowing what I'm talking about.
your sound speaks yeah. volumes. Exactly. Well, we appreciate it, James. <laughs> uh, thanks for calling in. Um, we always appreciate the caller, guys. Please, if you hear this and uh, you're ever tuned in, you get a chance to listen to us live. Um, 646-200-0446 is our uh, line. So, yeah, let us know. Thanks, James. Hey, thank you. Yeah, so this year, this, 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 I should have asked him if he has any more el- uh, years of eligibility left so he can you know, kick, make kickoffs and bounds. He actually technically does because uh, he graduated my year in 2019, so he's on his, like, you know, he gets to play four and five, so this is, this is his last year that he could hypothetically join. So, um, you know, Steve, let him back into the program. He was clearly much better than Colton, and I don't say that. I say that with absolutely zero bias of knowing him since freshman year. <laughs> Anyways, um, that's what we're talking about with the Clemson offense. Um, to me, the most worrying thing about this game, it's not the, you know, great rushing attack, and it's not Trevor Lawrence, uh, Heisman contender. Um, it's the wide receiver position, because BC has shown that its secondary is vulnerable all year. And when you have, when you're facing receiving core, whose top three is T Higgins, uh, Justin Ross and Amari Rogers, all of whom who have 10 or more yards per catch. Uh, and BC's unable to scheme around them, scheme one of them shut and sort of make the other ones make plays when they can all make plays. Uh, I think that bodes really poorly in terms of both defending against it and also trying to get yards after the catch. Um, I think this game will be won on the backs of the – if and when Clemson wins, it will be one on the backs of the Clemson receivers making plays to get the ball and making plays with the balls in their hands. And so, to me, as a BC fan, I'm most worried about that. Certainly. So, Arthur, how does BC win this game? Uh, well, uh, the, uh, let's start with the defense needs to be as good as they as they were last week uh, against NC State, against Clemson. Uh, they need to frustrate Andrew Lawrence, or God, I keep doing that, Trevor Lawrence, uh, with, um, you know, pass coverage um, schemes that have admittedly been frustrating him all season long, um, and then you know, Dennis Grossell needs to be um, as good as your buddy was, as, as, as says he is and um, needs to carve that, that Clemson defense up. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge no matter what, which I don't think anybody necessarily would dispute. Um, but, eh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I think BC's basically got to throw sort of exotic coverages, uh, weird blitzes all day to confuse Trevor Lawrence. Um, I really think they've won the last, they've won their two conference games this year by wrapping up um, and limiting yards after the catch and yards after contact. Um, they've lost the last couple of years and they've had a really big issue in sort of big games like this. 
with sort of chunk plays where you know running backs bounce, running backs and wide receivers bounce off the first tackle and takes two or three guys further down the field to bring them down. I think that's a big issue. And then I hope the ultimately the offensive line has to keep producing because in the BC has to run it down their throat with Bailey and Dylan because uh, one, those are the two most talented. You put the ball in your most talented players' hands and you help, they help you win the game. And uh, Dennis Grissel is not going to have the time to win this game on his own, just based on how good this defensive front is. And the fact that Brent Venables, Clemson's defensive coordinator, is almost undoubtedly the most accomplished defensive coordinator in football right now. Um, I don't think there's anyone who's quite on his level in terms of tenure and results over the past five years. Um, I think Grossell can do well on rollouts. He looked really good against NC State on those and deep bombs where he can let his arm strength shine. But if this game comes down to his shoulders, I'm not confident, to say the least. Yeah, um, but I mean, even no matter what, it's gonna be a tough, a tough uh, out, no matter what. Yeah, BC just got to prove. Um, yeah, they, they, yeah, it's gonna be a tough out. Best case scenario, uh, BC squeaks out a win. Um, I'm not really sure how they do that or what it looks like. I don't know if it's a shootout and they somehow manage to put together offensive drive after offensive drive, or if it's you know, one of those 12 to nine affairs because that would require BC kicking field goals and the defense really stepping up, which I'm not sure I trust either of those. I don't really expect either of those to happen, even if they perform at their best. So, um, yeah, you know, put on the North Carolina tape uh, that Clemson really struggled with them um, and see what you can learn. Arthur, any other thoughts on the game this weekend? Um, nope, um, but I will certainly be watching it on tape delay um, since I'm going down to Florida to rep the flag football tournament, which will be fun. Uh, it's by way of Andrew Lux is listening. Say um, Andrew, uh, or I guess say Lux, it would be more appropriate. Uh, I'm going down to Florida to rep the regional, so um, hope you're excited about that. Fair. Um, Fair. Um, all I have to say really all now. All I have to say really now. Is that, um, yeah, I guess the two things to look at this game outside of the football aspect, in terms of just like on the field play. One, um, AJ Dillon is almost assuredly, I think he's 20 or 40 yards, I forget, away from setting the career uh, BC rushing record this week. Uh, he'll pass um, Andre to. You know, said it. Uh, I can only commend AJ for what he's done for BC in his career. He's, uh, you know, probably deserves to have his jersey up in the rafters, even if the team success hasn't necessarily been there. He's been a phenomenal player in a lot, and so I hope he ends the year with both some personal hardware and some team hardware. Um, he gets lots of credit for that. And then to me, the other thing to pay attention to, um, ESPN did an awesome human interest story on it. There's both an article and a video. But uh, Richard Jurgen uh, returns to Death Valley this Saturday to Clemson. Um, those who don't know, uh, Jurgen was a defensive lineman 
on Clemson during their national title years. Uh, he was sort of a backup. Uh, he came in with that class with Deshaun Watson, watched his teammates, oh, sorry, won a national championship, was sort of set for a starting role on the next year's national championship team. Um, got in a horrific car, pra- car crash that I believe cracked his C5 and C7 vertebrae. Had to basically had a long road to recovery um, and is now at BC. Um, watched, sort of watched sort of everything everyone succeed around him, has always had the talent, has always had the drive, except for this tragic injury that happened a few years ago. And so, um, you know, big props to him. It's a great, it's a great story. He says that he wears the number two because it stands for second chances. And I think everyone on both sides of the ball is rooting for him on Saturday. So. As are we. So, yeah, with that, um, I'm going to have left, Arthur. That's the rest of my notes. Yeah, uh, and uh, since I have to get up early tomorrow, I'm, I'm not going to object to uh, ending the show there. So, as always, um, thanks for listening to us. Um, enjoy the, the games this weekend. Um, go Eagles. Enjoy the tailgating. Uh, if you're going down to Clemson, uh, I hear it is one of the best experiences um, that a BC fan can ever uh, experience. So, uh, God bless to those who are doing that, and we'll see you next week here on BCI Radio. Go Eagles, baby. Go Eagles.